Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermo. Thanks for downloading this Kermo on Film podcast. Delighted to say that we're joined uh, once again by Jack Howard. Jack, how are you doing? Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Are you double vaxxed now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know when this podcast is going out, but today is the, we're recording this on the 11th, and I've just come back from having my second vaccination, so I've now got superpowers. Um, He's double vaxxed, it's, everyone. It's great. Honestly, we've got a double vaxxer. I'm so <laughs> pleased, and uh, and it was really lovely because I mean, obviously, you know, you go in and, and there's all these people making it happen. There's been so much effort put into making it happen and making it sort of really lovely, and um, and I've been really looking forward to getting the second. We had the AstraZeneca one done, and they asked you all, uh, all the questions, you know, either this, that, and the other, and blah blah. I was just like, no, no, just it's fine, just get it into my arm, and uh, and they did, and pump I, it into my veins, yeah. and I'm. I'm I'm just thrilled. I mean, I think it is a brilliant thing. God bless the NHS. Hooray for science. Um, yeah, man. I put a thing on... I hung out with somebody recently. No, sorry. I hung out with a group of people recently, and there was five of us, and three out of the five were all vaxxed. Wow. And I was like, what a great statistic that is. That is amazing. <laughs> My mate turned to me and went, all right, Boris. And I was like, look, look <laughs> don't turn it into that. Yeah, no, I think we're <laughs> saying that's a cool statistic to have now that that's how far along we it are. It really is. I put a thing on Twitter, which is a picture of me and Linda, because we had ours done together, you know, both our first and second. And I just said, you know, hooray. And then somebody went, oh, you're still wearing a mask after you've been vaxxed. You must be a sheep. To which, you know, the only answer is, go piss up a rope, fuck stick. But, you know, it's just like... <laughs> Doesn't it feel like we're in a dystopian future? <laughs> it really does. Like, where you have yeah. characters that are like... Don't follow the machine. Yeah, right. Just re- <laughs> it's it's weird. It's real now. Just remind me this, Jack. So now I've had both vaccines. Am I being controlled by? Is it Mark Zuckerberg or is it the other? No, is it Jeff it, Bezos? It, it, it was it was Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Actually, Bill Gates. Okay, so. you can insert name here. Okay, and fine. It doesn't fine. matter. Okay, and does, it's not real. <laughs> does that mean that I now don't have to upgrade my phone because it's just all happening inside me? Am I just a, a, an extension? No, of you're the- confused. You've got. I assume you're using. Apple products. I am, yeah. Well, Bill Gates, if anything, he's going to want to shut them down. Okay. And you'll then have to buy a Windows phone. Okay, but Um, that'll just... No one wants that future. Okay, but that'll just all start happening naturally. I will start thinking those things because he's now controlling my thoughts. Is that right? I think so. Okay. I think that's the way it works. Do I have an in- inbuilt GPS so that he always knows where I am? Because- I don't know, but throughout the podcast, if you start just like inserting facts about Microsoft and how great they are yeah. and how great Bill Gates is, then maybe that'll be a telltale sign. Okay, great. Cool. Okay, brilliant. So We'll look out for that. So good. I'm, so I'm looking forward to it. So as I said, I'm now being worked by <laughs> Bill Gates' foot. So, uh, so today we're going to talk... And for those who don't understand sarcasm, <laughs> that, that was it <laughs> just then. 
Okay. Uh, I want to start this podcast, Mark. I know we've got an actual subject to talk yeah, about, cool. but I want to tell you a funny story. Okay. Um, I recently went to the screening of In the Heights oh, yeah. at the Backyard yeah. Cinema. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have, yeah. Briefly, what, what do you think of it? Well, I think I haven't seen so much um, v- uh, vivacious high kicking for two and a half hours in a very long time. And actually, in the mood I was in, it, it worked very well for me. I just kind of thought, hooray. It's just, yeah, it's just, I don't want to ruin everyone's just, good time. I just thought it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you had such a great time with it. I'm hearing everybody else's as well. But I didn't particularly gel with okay, it. Okay, fine. But that's not the, that's not the point. Okay. I was at an event. Actually, this may, may require even more backstory. You are friends with Draco Malfoy's dad. Jason Isaacks. <laughs> yes, okay. Jack, can and, I just say I, In real life, yep. he's not Draco Malfoy's dad. He's just acting. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm friends with Draco Malfoy's son. So my friend Bertie Gilbert yeah. played Draco Malfoy's son in the last Harry Potter film, okay, When cool. We See the Future. Okay, cool. We've made fun of him for years because you only see the back of his head. And so we turn him around and we go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I recognize him now. Um, but, okay, so he played the, yeah. the, the son. We're at this event for In the Heights. We're sitting down and eating. And Bertie, who's, who's with me, is opposite me. He looks around and he makes a little face as if he's just recognized something. And I look at him and he goes, nothing, I just sort of saw someone. Then a few minutes later, Tom Felton sits next to Bertie and they've got the, we've got these glass panels between us because COVID, yeah. you know, the situation. But he sits down next to him and just next to the glass is <laughs> the person who once played his father on screen. And Bertie just like does a little freak out and then just he goes, I have to say something. Taps on the glass. Tom Felton turns. Obviously, he's expecting a Harry Potter fan. So he's like, all right, I'm going to have to deal with yeah, this yeah, yeah. as cool and calmly as I possibly can. Turns to Bertie and just goes... Hey, yeah, yeah, let's talk through the glass. And then Bertie goes, um, yeah, I, you know, this might sound weird, but um, I played your son in the last Harry Potter film. And Tom Felton goes, <gasps> and just like completely <laughs> now then runs around the glass and like hugs him. And he's just like, oh my God, like, I, I can't believe this. Like, this is it. Like, obviously like the exact opposite of what he was expecting the interaction to be comes oh you were once my son and then they took a photo and people listen to the podcast now mark if you can as well yeah. open up instagram okay. and go on to tom felton's can we do this now? instagram account if you can yeah, yeah. yeah i've got instagram because you know bill gates wow. hasn't stopped me having it yet um so hang on, how do that'll I do be it? the first telltale sign I've got it on my phone. That. is that not in- is bill gates not instagram who is who is instagram owned by? No, that that Technically now Zuckerberg, I think, because I think Instagram is Facebook. Okay. He owns everything, doesn't he? Okay, so hang on. Instagram, mm. it's, the, it's, the, it's the one with the square. Okay, I've got it. I'm, I'm sure it. everybody listening to this podcast is like, yeah, I've caught up already. I know yeah, where I am because okay, Mark's I'm, too slow. Yeah, yeah, because I'm old. Okay, what am I looking for? I have just saw a picture so of go you and, lying on your bed. Oh, what? I don't know why I saw you, that. That's just for you. So, that was a private you, one. Okay, so who am I looking for? <laughs> So I search for... Go search for Tom Felton. I just write literally Tom... Do I just like write, write Tom Felton? Is that how it works? Yeah, and it should come up. His username is actually T22Felton. Okay, so I'm going to put T22... Because he thought that through. Okay, T22. This is absolutely riveting. But T22Felton, there he is. Fine, got him. Yeah. Yeah. And now what do I do? Open up the picture where he's pointing at, at my friend Bertie, who played Scorpius Yeah, Scorpius's got Malfoy. it. Yep. Open that. They're having this beautiful serendipitous moment. Yeah. And then if you just zoom in between them, there's me ruining it. Hey! Right in the middle of this beautiful. There you are. Coincidental. 
What face Serendipity. are you it looks like Oh, I'm just, I'm laughing my head off at this. I'm just, that's what I'm doing. It looks like you're but I'm... passing a gallstone. Oh, it's awful, isn't wow. it? Wow. Okay. 530,000 people have liked this, and that's what I'm doing. Ruining not only a wonderful moment, but also pulling that face. Wow. Well, it's good to know that the young people aren't wasting their lives. <laughs> now, Jack, if I can if I can pull you back onto the, on the course of the straight yes. and narrow, which is, we had agreed that this week we would talk about ghost movies because or ghost stories and you know, ghost stories in film because the last podcast we did together we talked about um, timey wimey movies and which had, we had a lot of response to that which was actually really exciting. So I said, look, I've got a particular thing about ghost stories and, and you know both ghost stories both in literature and and in cinema and I had I had cited to you. A couple of examples. One of them is, is the Haunting of Hill House, which, of course, is, you know, is is a work of genius. But I also said there is a film of Peter Straub's book, Ghost Story. The film isn't anything like as good as the book. In fact, the film is generally considered to be a failure. But because it has little fragments and echoes of Peter Straub's Ghost Story, it is it is it is worth seeing. So, shall we kick off by me saying what I think it is that's interesting about Ghost Stories? That's exactly what I want to know. Okay. Like, because I think last time you asked me about. What is it about these time loop situations that like tickles you? And I don't think I've still, I feel, feel like I still haven't figured that out yeah. entirely. Okay. All right. Well, but what is it about ghost movies that do it for okay, you? So basi- or ghost stories? So basically it began for me when I was a kid, I used to, I used to watch a lot of horror movies and I used to read a lot of horror novels. Um, and I was often quite aware that a lot of horror novels weren't particularly well written. So particularly if you're talking about the late 70s, early 80s, it's the kind of James Herbert period. I mean, I've got nothing against James Herbert, you know, but it, it, I don't think you'd be reading the Rats trilogy for the for the beautiful lyrical writing, for example. And when I was doing my PhD, which I did in uh, modern horror fiction, I was reading things like The Haunting of Hill House, which I just thought was, the, the, the like The Great Gatsby, one of those books that was the most beautifully written book ever. And you could read it just for the just for the quality of the writing. And obviously I'd seen The Haunting and now since then we've had, you know, we've had other versions of it. And I started becoming interested in why it was that The Haunting of Hill House seemed to me to be such a, such a resonant tale. And whilst I was writing about it and I, you know, was reading a lot of criticism about, you know, about sort of ghost mythology, the two things became interesting. The first one is that in the same way that all horror is essentially metaphorical, um, it seemed to me that ghost stories are a way of talking about yourself because the thing that Peter Straub says in Ghost Story is, I, I, I'll go, I, I've said this before, but I'll go back to it because it's worth repeating. There are three events in Ghost Story, which Peter Straub wrote as a kind of accumulation of all the themes of all the ghost stories that he knew and loved. And behind it all was Haunting of Hill House, which obviously is the sort of uber text from which we get things like Stephen King's The Shining. And to cut a very long story short, three things happen in in, in Ghost Story. One of them is that um, there is a man who is having a, a relationship with this woman who we are pretty certain by this point has got some relationship with another woman who existed in the past. It's, it, it's Eva Garley, Alva, Alma Mobley, blah, blah, blah. And he wakes up in bed and she's looking out the window with her back turned to him. And it's dark and moonlit. And she says something. And he thinks she says, I saw a ghost. Later on in the book, he goes back to the event, and this is really important because it's all to do with remembering. He goes back to the event and he realises that she didn't say, I saw a ghost. She says, I am a ghost. 
And then mm-hmm. later on, he goes back to it for the third time, and he realises that she didn't say that either. What she said was, you are a ghost. You are a ghost. And he says... Yeah, I remember you told yeah. me this. And he yeah. says, that's the central story, at, that's the central message at the heart of all ghost stories, which is what ghost story is about, uh, ghost story, the novel by Peter And that moment immediately just makes me think of Interstellar. Yeah, like, yeah, is, exactly. And when you say it's about memory and just making it more scientific and making it through um, time and time manipulation rather than it being a fantasy ghost story, it's essentially the same seed at the centre of it. Yeah. There. So for me, I have always found that the most effective ghost stories or the, the ghost stories that work the best for me are all to do with that central idea of you are the ghost. So in the case of Haunting of Hill House, both the novel and the, the film, not, the, not the, the, the later on remake film, the central idea is somebody goes to a house that is haunted and they discover that the person that is haunting the house is them. If you look at The Shining, both the novel, although mm-hmm. I think Kubrick plays this in a slightly different way, the whole thing is that he has always been there and that's why he's in the photograph and that's why the you know the ghosts of the past start talking to him and the suggestion all the way through the shining is that the ghosts of the past are ghosts are in his head because he is already haunting the building he is the ghost this is the whole question about who opens the door um and of course there's a marvelous moment in haunting of hill house in which she is actually on both sides of the door at the same time and then this also plays into me and it's interesting how many of these these are novels turned into films so they exist in both forms but the central idea is right there at the, the same and the other key text i always come back to is um is Angel Heart, which is based on a novel called uh, Falling Angel by um, William Hjortsberg. And it, the script for the film is written by Alan Parker, who did a brilliant film. And, of course, the whole thing about that is it's Mickey Rourke is a gumshoe on who is on the trail of a ghost that, and at the risk of this being a plot spoiler, fulfills the, 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 the story that all ghost stories are in the end about you. So that's the, that's the first thing that really interests me. And it is interesting how how regularly that works for me that that's what i love about ghost stories and the other thing and is that do you think that's because you enjoy watching that kind of story play out with a character or is that because you think you see yourself reflected in the protagonists that happen to be in ghost it's stories it's because i think that the thing about ghosts is that i don't believe in ghosts okay what i believe mm-hmm. in is um is your own consciousness and your own uh, personality. So um, I once had a conversation with Ken Russell. I don't know whether I ever told you this, but I said to Ken, hey, Ken, have you ever seen a ghost? Because I mean, I've, I've been very fascinated by, by you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I have, I believe that there is more in the world than this. And when I say I don't believe in ghosts, I don't mean that I don't believe in spirit. I just don't particularly believe in hauntings, or at least, you know, I said to Ken, have you ever seen a ghost? And Ken said, yeah, I've seen a ghost. And I said, when? He said, well, it was a few, some years ago. He said, um, I came out of the Fisherman's Rest, which is where he, um, the pub near to where he lives. He said, and this ghost ran across the street and then went down the passageway by the side of that house. And I said, what did it look like? He said, he looked like a kid. And I said, could it have been a kid? (laughs) Ken, do you not think it was a child? He went, no, no, it was a ghost. And I said, well, how do you know? He said, I knew, I know it was a ghost. And it was interesting because on the one hand, it's a funny Ken Russell story, but on the other hand, that's exactly (laughs) right. It's completely a matter of faith. Okay. It, it, it's a ghost because he thinks it's a ghost. For mm-hmm. me, all the very best ghost stories are to are to do with. It's not to do with whether you believe that a reincarnated soul leaves the uh, you know parallel or alternate dimension and comes back to Earth. 
It's whether or not you believe that what a ghost story is actually to do with is a way of talking about the divided self, is a way of talking yeah. about the fact that, that we are haunting ourselves. And that's why the whole thing about the man who haunted himself is the kind of central thing. I love that idea. It just works for me. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. Now, look, Doc, we're buddies, OK? But don't try to convert me. I'm trying to prepare you. My name's Markway, Dr. Markway, a scientist interested in the supernatural. The unnatural, if you like. I came to Hill House to find the key to another world. Assisting me in this exploration of the unknown was Eleanor, Nell, who could look back into the past, and Theo, something of a witch who could see into the future. This is Luke, who didn't believe in anything, until evil, patient and waiting, made him change his mind. <laughs> I'm really interested in 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 this because I think most great stories are about some at some point they're about the relationship with the self and I think it's really interesting that this seems to be one that you gravitate towards is it because there are certain themes that pop up in in ghost stories like this that you sort of see yourself in do you know what I mean like do you see like the same things play out in ghost stories that feel like they're talking to how you feel about your relationship with yourself or the way that you've developed do you know what i'm saying yes i do and i can answer it very very clearly by saying yes um i think the other theme of ghost stories that 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 taps in for me is to do with guilt because an awful lot of ghost stories are about Mm. ghosts from the past attempting to you know either ghosts from the past or people from the present attempting to put something right now i'll give you a very particular example one of my favourite novels of all time, and it's also one of my favourite films, is a novel by Antonio Barber called uh, The Ghosts, which was filmed as The Amazing Mr. Blunden. And The Amazing Mr. Blunden is, I think, uh, Lionel Jeffrey's best movie. I mean, everyone, you know, loves and reveres The Railway Children, obviously. But The Amazing Mr. Blunden is a story about a family living uh, in London who get offered the chance to live in a big house that it turns out is haunted by the ghosts of the past. And the ghosts of the past are that something terrible happened there and Mr. Blunden is actually a kind of an agent between worlds who is trying to put right something that he did wrong many, many years ago. I love the, um, I absolutely, you know, I love that film. And in fact, that film is currently being remade by um, by Mark Gatiss. And Mark Gatiss got in touch with me and said, you know, I just want you to know that because I know how much you love The Amazing Mr. Blunden. Um, you know, we're doing, we're making this version now. And I said, can I have a cameo in it? <laughs> and he said, I'll see what I can do. And there is an outside possibility. Oh, wow. That's so that, exciting. Yeah, but I mean, it'll be like a crowd thing. It'll be, I'll be so far in oh, the background that you... Like you can't spot... No, exactly, the exactly. cartoon <clears throat> silhouette of Mark Kerlow. But it's Anyway, so, but it, look, it may not happen. It may happen. I mean, I'm really hoping it does happen because the idea of stepping into a movie of The Amazing Mr. Blunden is, for me, the kind of perfect culmination of the ghost story mythology thing anyway, which is that in the end, you step... It is you. You are haunting yourself. And I... Mm-hmm. I, I love that idea, but I also love the idea that an awful lot of what the, the idea of the unquiet ghost is, is to do with putting to bed, putting to rest something that happened in the past that is 
you know that is that that cannot rest because because an injustice or something has been done or because of you know a fault has been done. Wow. So an awful lot. Mark, of I think with- I think we like ghost stories and time movies for the same this is, reason this is why it came up jack because i think timey-wimey films for you are ghost stories for me i think it's just the aesthetics i think it's like the thing that tickles me that yeah. i like it and i think you like horror yes do you know i mean and clearly you do but like i mean i think there's something about that genre that's doing it for you but i like the exact same subject matter but I like the surroundings yeah. of timey-wimey. <laughs> well, I mean, in a way, maybe it's a kind of difference between being a horror fan and a science fiction fan, is that, you know, horror fans will tend to, tend to gravitate towards ghost stories and science fiction fans will tend to, to, to you mm-hmm. know, gravitate towards timey-wimey stories. But they are all basically doing the same thing. Now, the second part of this is, and this is the other thing that I f- find fascinating, but I, this came after the fact, the way in which ghosts are uh, understood around the world is radically different. So the way in which we understand ghosts and the way in which, for example, ghosts are understood in Japanese culture is very different. Some time ago, mm-hmm. I wrote a piece for Sight and Sound magazine about the difference between the J-horror movies and the English language remakes that were happening in America. So, uh, the, like the, the Ring. Yeah, so the Ring and then the, the, the American Ring. And specifically, this was off the back of, of uh, Dark Water, the Hideo Nakata film, which was remade in America. Actually, not an American director, but it was, it was remade in America. And one of the things that I did was, as a good friend of mine, uh, Trevor Johnson's partner, uh, Tommy, is um, Japanese. And I said to him, look, you know, can you just give me an idiot's guide to the way in which ghosts are understood in Japanese culture? And she said, well, you see, you have to be a real idiot's guide because how, I mean, you, you, you're literally, do you mean like from ground zero? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, first, there's the whole thing about, you know, that there are spirits in everything. There are spirits in clocks. There are spirits in furniture. There are spirits in cars. You know, that's something that's a complete, completely common thing. So the second thing is the idea of the ghost, the spectre, as a, as a scary or bad thing is a particularly Western idea that actually doesn't tie in with, with Japanese culture. So she said, if you look at things like, like Kwaidan or, you know, the kind of classic Japanese ghost story movies, of which there are many... It's not that they're not that they're not creepy and scary, or because many of them are. But the ghost story narrative is very different, and um, even Spirited Away is like yeah. I mean, no, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Alice in Wonderland, absolutely. But going to the afterlife. So in Japan, and I know this. I'm doing a really sort of simple version of this, but the kind of absolutely bog standard, you know, Shinto understanding of this is different. Um, it's water is a very kind of connecting thing. Hence, you know, in the case of uh, Ringu, the well. Um, in the case of dark water, the fact that it's the you know it's the the water tower and you're literally in the water. But one thing that fascinated me about that was that there is a preponderance of stories in that tradition, in which the thing to do is not to defeat or exorcise the ghost, but the but actually but to make peace with it. And particularly in the case of dark water, which has one of the greatest endings of any movie I think I've ever seen, which is to do with. The, the the mother making a sacrifice in order for the ghost to be at peace and to be with the ghost in inverted commas which is also very similar to orphanage orphanata the uh, you know the uh, original version of that it's again it, it's it's to do with not having a fight with it it's to do with not saying the power of christ compels you and you know for, <laughs> forcing father caris to jump out of the window um, and incidentally, in The Exorcist, there's a lot of discussion about whether it's a demon or a ghost. And, you know, demonic possession is not ghostly possession. So, you know, we get into a whole other area. Let's not get into semantics. Let's not get into semantics. 
It's to thematically, it's a ghost story. Thematically, it is a dispossessed entity story, but the way in which you deal with it is is not the same. And I do think it's fascinating. Get, but they're about the same ideas that like something hasn't passed on. It, it's, there's an unfinished, you know, the Casper yeah, the friendly the, ghost, unfinished business. And the thing. question is whether what you do is defeat it or make peace with it. And the more I think about it, the more I think that the ghost stories that I love are to do with making peace with the past because that is kind of what all ghost stories are about and that i think is why peter straub was so brilliantly intuitive when he said you know i saw a ghost i am a ghost you are a ghost which are the th- which are the three central tenets of all of this that in the end those stories when they work they're about that when they don't work they're scooby-doo you know when they don't work there's you know we want to buy this house but we can't live here because there's a bloke in a sheet and yeah that's that's stories with a ghost in it it, precisely as opposed to a ghost story it's stories with a ghost in it and then the final example (laughs) i'll give you before i sorry allow you to jump in i'm sorry i realize i've spoken too much no this has been fascinating i've got more questions the jonathan miller um television adaptation of uh whistle and i'll come to you um in which the whole point of the story is that the Michael Horden character in in the adaptation believes that there are more things in um, uh, in philosophy than there are in heaven and earth. Okay, and so it's it, it's that kind of. I mean, mm-hmm. He's very pleased with that phrase, and there's a lovely scene when he's having his breakfast and he says that, and he's so pleased with himself that he almost. It's it's a scene that always reminds me of that scene in Phantom Thread, you know, when Daniel Day Lewis enjoys his breakfast more than anybody really should. And the yeah. whole narrative of Whistle, I'll Come to You is, no, there is something else, but it's very, very kind of spectral and we, and, and we never really see what it is. And it, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, it's based on a story which is, has slightly more clarification to it. But I love the fact that in Whistle, I'll Come to You, the Jonathan Miller television adaptation, it's all completely ambiguous. It's all really to do with what, you know, is, is that the wind... Is that the wind of whistling or the inches on the gate or Ernie's ghostly gold tops are rattling in their crate? Um, you know, it's all... Do you have that memorised? No, no, that's that's a Benny Hill song from the 1970s. I'm sorry, <laughs> that's how I got there. Um, but it's, um, it's all to do with the purer it becomes, the less it is to do with actually invoking a spectral apparition on screen. It is it's the, the the more the more realist it becomes, the less special effecty it becomes, the better it is. And so you're left yeah. with this kind of position that the best, the very best ghost stories, are ghost stories that don't even have a ghost in them. And the amount of times I watch a movie, and like I was talking to Alim Khan about this on the podcast the other week about uh, Afterlife, and I said, well, it's a ghost story, and he said, yeah, it is, isn't it? It's a ghost story, and there are no ghosts in that film. But it mm-hmm. is a ghost story because it is about the ghost of the past. And that, Your Honour, is why I think ghost stories <laughs> are great. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I have a question yeah, though, because this is kind of a complicated thing to try and ask and I hope it makes yeah, sense. Because I think that part of the reason why I like time loopy, timey-wimey mm-hmm. movies is because part of the act of watching a film feels like you are in charge of resetting this little timeline yep. or whatever. Do you feel similar about cinema? Like, do you think ghosts specifically work really well in cinema because of the physical nature of how you are going to watch a movie? Do you know what I mean? Like, revisiting it feels like visiting something from the past, like a ghostly, like even like a version of yourself that watched it years ago or whatever like does that make sense so there are times jack that i that i look at you and i think you know we are completely on the same page so yeah so you'd know that i know you'll know this anyway but i'm going to say it the Mm -hmm. origins of cinema are actually all to do with the conjuring of apparitions and ghosts okay so the very earliest forms of cinema are magic lantern shows in which what people would do was use, you know, magic lantern technology to project images onto, well, usually the inside of fairground tents. So sometimes it would be, you know, like uh, seances, and but other times it would just be like a spectral show. You'd go into an enclosed space and somebody would conjure up apparitions. And this was the kind of earliest form of projected cinema. When it was first revealed that it was possible to take photographs of people, and then to make those photographs into a moving image, even before they were projected, because remember, projecting the moving image is a kind of slightly complicated thing. People immediately began to ask, will it still work after the person is dead? It's one of the first things that was asked about it. So if you take a moving photograph of somebody, will it still work after they're dead? Well, if it will, and you can project that image, are you conjuring a ghost? Is that image... I mean, it is quite quite literally the conjuring up of a dead person through a magic trick okay so the whole fact that it reminds me of how christopher nolan describes he says the camera literally sees time like and and obviously he's gone his way with that but you're basically saying the exact same thing that it is a way of seeing into the past and i think that that's fascinating that that in its very earliest form cinema was absolutely tied up with ghosts and I mean, with the conjuring of ghosts and with a fairground attraction. And then when it became the moving image, it people immediately started worrying about whether or not there was something supernatural about it. This obviously leads into, you know, when I was at the height of my exorcist obsession, I was really <laughs> fascinated by the stories of people like Brian Wilson Key, who was this kind of psychologist who wrote all about the the subliminals within The Exorcist, but Billy Graham said that he thought that there was an evil embodied in the celluloid of the film itself, and that somehow when the light passed through the celluloid and projected onto the screen, it literally conjured devils. And what he... Okay, that sounds crazy, but it's actually historically not a first. People genuinely thought that that was the case, that there is something alchemical about light passing through celluloid, projecting an image on a wall. 
I know that all the stories about, um, you know, train coming into a station and people running away from the screen, you know, there's a certain degree of exaggeration in there. But again, it's conjuring an apparition. And you can understand why it is that people might conceivably have run away from an image of a train coming into a station, even though if you know that piece of footage, it's coming into the left of the station. It's not coming straight towards the camera. <laughs> but it is absolutely fascinating that the very nature of cinema is tied up with ghosts. And consequently, it seems to me that there is something about, I mean, I love horror literature and, you know, but that there is something particularly perfect about the embodiment of it in film, because it's like the medium was designed to tell ghost stories. And I love that thing you just said about um, Christopher Nolan saying that a camera literally watches time and you can stop it and you can rewind it and you can overlay it and you yep. can replay it. And the, the other thing I'd say is, I think there is something of a seance about being in a cinema. We've all missed being mm -hmm. in cinemas. Uh, we've all sat at home watching things on our, you know, big televisions and sound systems and blah, blah, blah. But it's not quite the same. Why isn't it the same? Well, maybe the lights are on. Maybe it's... It, the reason is it it's not as... The psychology is different. This, exactly. Like, you know that you can get up and just go to the bathroom or pause it in the middle of... The amount of times I've been watching something at home and really, really, like, attempting to invest and then somebody just somebody just goes, can we pause it? Like, and it's just... It just takes you out of it in a way that cinema does not allow for. And, you know, if you go see a movie in a French cinema, do you know what they call a showing? No. Seance. Right. And it, it, they don't call it a royale with cheese. Yeah, they call it a royale with cheese. <laughs> not, not, just, you know, like, not just a beer and a paper cup, but a beer. But anyway, so, so, <laughs> so the more you kind of scratch away at it, the more it seems like this is perfect. This is the perfect marriage of, you know, of theme and form. And look, I'm not saying, okay, so therefore all ghost movies are better than anything else. But what I'm saying is that when they get it right... And the, and the perfect example would be, I've read the novel of uh, Falling Angel and I've seen the film of, uh, of uh, Angel Heart. And there's a couple of things that are wrong with Angel Heart at the end, which Alan uh, Parker was very, very aware of, but he was kind of, you know, like the lighty up eyes thing is silly. But the impact of seeing that in the cinema is massively more than the impact of reading it on the page. And I think it's partly because it's a great film, but partly because the form is doing the work for you. The form is actually doing the work for you. And there aren't, you know, there aren't any ghosts in uh, in Angel Heart. But it is a ghost, <laughs> but it is a ghost story. <laughs> Mr. Angel, my client, Monsieur Louis Sackcar. Do you by chance remember the name Johnny Favorite? My interest is only in finding out if he's alive or if he's dead. You want me to check it out? private detective paid to snoop around. He's dead, Mr. Angel. Well, you know what they say about slugs. They always leave slime in their tracks. Are you afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm a murder suspect already in two cases. Did you kill him? No, but the cops might think I did. The Prince of Darkness protects the powerful. The egg is the symbol of the soul. Did you know that?
funny. I have a feeling I've met you before. I, I think you're right, though. I think that it just, the form lends itself to that type of storytelling. And I don't know why I'm thinking of this, because but I'm gonna just going to talk about it because I think it's interesting because it feels like a way of pushing the the form of cinema forward. And this is such a weird thing to do because it's such a massive popular, the most popular thing in cinema. But I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe are kind of pushing forward. I don't know how this is related in my head. I think it's because we're talking about the form of cinema and the fact that when you rewatch a film and you can remix it and whatever and rewind it and you've got control over that, the Marvel Cinematic Universe seems to be creating their own little like branch off now to look back at the cinema the cinematic universe they've created the timeline of it and said we are like <laughs> able to ghost like <laughs> in a way go through that and watch it all happen the way it was meant to happen and i think there's a mixing of the ghost story and the time travel stuff that we were talking about the idea that these people are time lords whatever you want to call them but they're above they're above time and said this is how it was all supposed to always supposed to happen always and it was always going to happen and it keeps happening like in terms of the form of cinema now i'm so excited to see how that manifests in terms of the type of films we're going to start seeing in like in what essentially was is a superhero genre do you know what i'm, do you know what I'm trying to get at? I, I do i mean it, i have to say that the way in which you feel about superhero movies kind of slightly differs from me because yeah, but, but I think I, even I'm aware of it. But, <laughs> I, but I think, but partly it's generational, and partly it's just because Ugh. it works for you. And I think the key thing is it, what what works for you. I mean, people often ask me, you know, why do you like horror films? And my answer will always be, you know, you never say to somebody, why do you like opera? You just either you yeah. do or you don't. Um, it, the difference is that people who like opera you don't don't get branded as serial killers. You know, I mean, it it just some people love slapstick comedy. Some people think Jacques Tati is the funniest thing they've ever seen. I don't. I love the Marx Brothers and I love Buster Keaton, but Jacques Tati has always kind of left me cold. It's there isn't a right or wrong answer to this. It's whatever works for you. But it is fascinating yeah, it's, what we were saying it's, about, like, it's fascinating that it's happening within the medium of cinema because i think yeah. that when people say this kind of film works for me or this i particularly love this part of the thing they're investing in is that for them the form of cinema is the perfect way of telling that story i mean i don't know whether you were ever a big co- it's just it's just everything's projection like you're literally just bringing to it and it's reflecting whatever you're bringing back to you were you ever a That's- comic book reader not you really, see, no. Okay, but I've, always, I've always been the film then guy. That's the thing, you see. I don't think it's actually to do with comic book nerdiness. I think it's the films that work for you. And I, you know, for a long yeah. time, I think everyone made the mistake of thinking that the hardcore audience were comics readers. Well, some of them are, but many of them aren't. Many of them, it, the thing that works is this in cinema form, and it, and it wouldn't work. They're essentially Westerns. Like, a superhero is essentially a cowboy, it's just that worked in popular cinema then. And now the aesthetics for popular cinema is superheroes. And one day that will seem silly and there'll be no more superhero films. And I don't think they'll be exploring. I don't think that'll ever be the case. I think they would, you know, they superhero films are as, are as old as cinema itself. I mean, they were making, you know, they yeah. were making short superhero I mean, movies in, as soon as they could because especially, I mean, in terms of like 
what's like the most popular thing though i think they'll they'll make superhero films forever as they always have but in terms of like the wave of what the most popular thing in the world is but the stories will remain the same like the what they're exploring at the core of them what we've been talking about like the relationship with the self and things like that when you were talking earlier about this like the duality idea like i'm as bad for you as bringing up the exorcist as i bring up the dark knight all the time but that's what works for me. I see the, the devil and God in Batman and the Joker and you see it in ghost stories. And I think it's interesting. I find, I find it interesting, like the way you've just said, like it's happening in the medium of cinema, that we are both interested in the exact same concept. The seed of it is the same. But for some reason, the, these aesthetics work for me and those aesthetics work for you. And that's kind of like, why does it speak to you specifically in that way? Like, I find that hard to grasp. I was, to sort of bring this to kind of some kind of uh, logical mm. conclusion, if there is one, I was I was thinking back to this thing about, you know, why it is that the film of Ghost Story is kind of looked down on so much. I mean, it, it, it's a, it, there's an easy answer, which is that it's a, you know, thudding long book and a tiny little film, which can only do a a minuscule thread of what's in the, in the book. And I would advise anybody to read Ghost Story and also to read Haunting of Hill House and to watch, you know, the original Haunting. When we were doing Secrets mm-hmm. of Cinema, we, we, we kept going back to the Haunting because there was so much that you could use it for to, to show the way in which cinema, you know, shows an internal reality, an internal monologue, the way in which, you know, uh, lenses could twist the world to kind of show you what was happening inside the central character's head the way in which cinema could put you in two different places at the same time that you can see you know things from two different perspectives which in the case of the haunting is is absolutely crucial and also the way in which the forward motion of a film is kind of unstoppable um the way in which you read a book you know people talk about books being page turners okay yeah it's fine but but you you physically turn the pages. You're in control okay. of the, the pace. There is something about the pace of a film that is, mm-hmm. you know, it starts and you and short of leaving the cinema, you can't get off it. Now I know we all now live in an age in which it's possible to stop and rewind videos, and obviously there's that scene in Michael Haneke's Funny Games in which one of the characters actually stops the action and rewinds, so they can go back and, you know, and fine. Those are all after the fact. The actual thing is that you watch a film and it kind of progresses at its own. But what? But the ultimate control is that you know that at the end of it, you could go back and watch it again. And I, this is the point that I'll finish on. I think that there is something about the act of rewatching films that is also to do with ghosts, because it is to do with revisiting past events that you know. And again, the most remarkable thing is that possibly the best ghost stories and even the best time travel stories are not the stories in which you go back in the past and change something, but mm-hmm. the, you go back in the past and don't change something. That what and you do something. is you... Scrooge. You, you, yes, and, and it's funny because I was thinking about this in, in terms of Donnie Darko, actually, because, of course, yeah. Donnie Darko is... God, I really want to rewatch Donnie Darko because it's such a merge of time travel and ghost it's, story. It's both of, those, both of those completely merged. And, of course, the key thing is it's, everything is laid out. You cannot change it. And yet there is that weird thing. But if you tr- if you try and discuss the logic of what happens in Donnie Darko at the moment of the, you know the engine coming off twice, the the loop involved in it, it it becomes a sort of brilliant uh, you, you know kind of head scramble which I love. But the thing that works so well about it is the sense of inevitability, the sense that this is the only way that this can play out, 
And yeah. this is the way that this is... And we're in charge of that. Yeah. Like, we're the ones who play that universe out. And so I think that actually the act of sitting in a cinema, in a seance, watching a film for the second or third time is the very definition of conjuring up a, cinemat- you know what a cinematic is? ghost story. Do you know what it is? The reason why this is... I've, I've been like, why did the Marvel stuff come to mind? It's because Loki right now is setting up... Have you been watching any of the Marvel television stuff? I, I, I watched um, uh, WandaVision. Yeah, right. Which well, I Loki, loved, I'd recommend. Yeah. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Loki, I'd really recommend. You can skip Falcon and Winter Soldier. That was not good enough. But Loki <laughs> is setting up this, the idea of like coming outside of its own universe and going, that's the timeline as it, was meant, as it was meant to happen. And now Loki, you're a variant of that. It's because it's the same ideas as this. It's Loki is realizing he has no power and control and he's having it, he's being shown it. Like here is all the decisions you were meant to make and everything you were going to do always forever. Like you are not ultimately in charge of your decisions. And he's coming to terms with that, that he has no control over things and that he has to accept the things he's done and the sort of person he is. And I think that's why it came to mind because it feels like the same themes. I want to recommend two films to you that you might have seen. This was off the back of the timey-wimey thing. Um, So there's a film out this week called Parallel which is a, you know, a, a window to a parallel. I already, I already like the idea. Okay, fine. <laughs> like, just from the title. So it's a mirror to a parallel universe, but there's an infinite number of parallel universes. It's kind of team-friendly and fun. I love it. But it's, you know, it's like a sort of Twilight Zone what-if. And the other thing is a film which has not been well-received by people other than me, I think, a film called Flashback, which was originally called um the education of uh is it benjamin fritz anyway but it had a different title it had a better title than flashback which is a kind of donnie darko-ish film in which a young man um it's the education a, he, of frederick frederick Fitzell, that's right and he meets somebody from his school days and he says do you remember that thing that happened that evening do you remember that what happened and they can't quite remember what happened and they start retracing their footsteps into what happened that night and then the whole thing becomes a kind of you know there are different ways in which this story again it becomes a time traveling ghost story neither of them Mm. are perfect both of them have big flaws but actually both of them also got really interesting ideas i think you'd quite like them i would say to you although i think that parallel is the is the better received film and is probably Mm -hmm. better made um uh, flashback takes more risks and even though it falls flat on its face many times the risks are the risks are great you know and it's it, it's really it's it's really well worth seeing and then of course you know, there's um oh yeah well there's there's the new you know joanne hogg souvenir souvenir part two is coming out and that is all about somebody revisiting their past and attempting to figure out what happened in their past i think um that Souvenir Part 2 is playing at Cannes, which obviously I'm not going to because my motto is Cannes don't. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to that. Again, I just love the idea of the, the 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 trying to make sense of the past. And again, this ties back to the thing I was saying, that ghost stories are all about, they're not about changing the past. They're about trying to make sense of it. Incidentally, I'm in the middle of doing CBT. I'm now, I'm now officially seeing somebody for my, you know... Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. So, hey. And also great that you wanted to... Because I've, I've been in therapy for... Not CBT therapy, but um, talk therapy um, for like three and a half years or something. And whenever someone is comfortable, I'm more than welcome, yeah, yeah, yeah. more than happy to sort of bring it up. Well, and I think it's great to sort of normalize that stuff. So yeah, yeah of course, it's the same as like if you had a sprained, if you've been walking on a sprained ankle yeah. for years and it wasn't getting better, you go and see a physiotherapist. So, you know, 
<laughs> I've got my call. Well done, man. When did when did that start? Uh, it started uh, f- five weeks ago now, and uh, so Great. so we're now gonna we're now gonna so we've done the kind of mapping, and now we're gonna get onto the you know that you know how we're gonna how we're gonna fix it all. Um, so, okay. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. You know? Oh, great. Yeah. Well, what, a, what a great thing to do for yourself. I'm really happy to hear <laughs> yeah, that. My, I genuinely am. That's my present to myself. As, as 60 approaches, you know, <laughs> I'd like to be I'd like to be closer to sane by the time I get to 60 than I am at the moment. Yeah. Anyway, look, a pleasure as always, uh, Jack. Um, I think one thing that's true, and just to bring this to a close with how we started it, is that I will forever be haunting the reunion of Draco and Scorpius Malfoy. Very good. That is very good. <laughs> and I, again, I would direct everybody to that Instagram picture in which Jack appears to be passing a gallstone. Um, is it, is, I'm haunting it. Yeah, I'm haunting it. <laughs> um, ah! If you've enjoyed listening to this, go to uh, the Patreon page, uh, which has got a video of it. And my hair is looking disastrous, but then I've just had my jab. So what do I care? Jack, on the other hand, is looking very elegant. Got more actually. hair. Although when you than... got up, I realised you were wearing shorts. It's such a hot day, Mark. Not where I am, it isn't. Oh, it's so humid. I've got the fan on because there's workers outside doing drilling and stuff next door. So I've got to have the window closed. So I've got a fan. I'm so hot. I've got no shoes or socks on either. It's very breezy. Anyway, um, hope, you've, hope, you've enjoyed, <laughs> hope you've enjoyed the yeah, more, informa- that image more information for you. than anybody I'll, I'll show it off on camera for, for the Patreon people. There we are. Well, that's worth a subscription. Seriously. That's, you know, that's, yeah, that's not an image that's going to leave anyone soon. So anyway, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, uh, remember, do all the usual stuff. Subscribe, tell your friends, tell your other friends. Follow Jack's uh, podcasts and stuff on YouTube. Jack, where should they go to to follow you? Uh, Jack Howard on everything, I also want to say. The, Jack the, Howard on the, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, I think the next podcast we're going to do together, we're going to talk about Bo Burnham's we're going to talk inside. About inside. A lot of yeah. people have and, requested and that. And of course, if you've had your jabs, you don't need to do any of those things because obviously the microchips are all inside you now and Bill Gates right. will just automatically be you emptying go. your bank account and signing you up See, to I, whichever podcast he owns. I told you this was so, going to happen yeah, like automatically. Yeah. If yeah. So this podcast has been brought to you by Microsoft. Microsoft, <laughs> making the world better. Microsoft. There's nothing soft about Microsoft or indeed micro about it. I love Bill Gates. Who am I? Okay. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.